BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details let not your heart be troubled you are listening to the sean hannity radio show podcast if you're like me and suffer from insomnia you know what that's not fun you know i tried everything i couldn't get a good night's sleep and this is neither drug nor alcohol induced that's right it is my pillow mike lindell invented it and he fitted me for my first my pillow and it's changed my life i fall asleep faster stay asleep longer and the good news you can too just go to mypillow.com promo code sean and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. Wow, I can tell in five seconds when this audience is lit up and every one of you is lit up today over this omnibus bill. So am I, for that matter. But uh, we'll get to all of our coverage in the course of the program today. And it's this is not complicated to figure out. It's not hard. It's very basic. It's very simple. It's very fundamental. And it's been something I have been telling you about for a long time. The Republican Party is dead They have no life to them whatsoever. None, zero, zip. They don't have a vision. They don't have principles. They don't have, they they don't stand for anything, which is how we now find ourselves in in a mess that we are in today and where they go ahead without anybody reading it and pass a $1.3 trillion omnibus spending bill 
It's 2,232 pages full of pork and spending that nobody should ever spend. And I, you know, I look at this thing and I'm like, this this easily could have been passed by Pelosi and Schumer. As a matter of fact, they're absolutely giddy over the whole deal. In a certain sense, we're able to accomplish more in the minority than we were when we had the presidency or even were in the majority. Well, I think one of the reasons they rushed it through, they didn't want their Republican colleagues to see just exactly what was in the bill. Uh, Sounds like Pelosi. You you cannot just, you know, I, I read this one article. Where did I say? I was on Politico about the process. The previous the press. Senator Mitch McConnell didn't go into detail, but acknowledged the very difficult path he took to getting the spending bill across the finish line. McConnell secures budget deal with begging and pleading and cajoling. And the Senate Majority Leader obtained passage of a, a massive omnibus spending bill and convincing Senator Paul Ryan and others to drop their procedural objections. And then first there were Rand Paul's objections, and then Jim Reich's objections. Then finally, 12.39 a.m., early this morning, the Senate passed the bill funding the government through September, went home after a chaotic 12 hours of typical predictable drama, and the vote was 65-32. I would never have voted for this bill. Uh, $1.3 trillion and sent it over to Donald Trump, who passed this bill. And they were, again, there's this in, inordinate, bizarre paranoia, fear of being blamed for a government shutdown. And uh, Rand Paul had to be called personally by Mitch McConnell and let him vent about Senate rules. Um, and this is ridiculous. This is juvenile fume Bob Corker, who asked McConnell for an explanation of why the chamber, chamber was in at midnight. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have to work a little late, Senator Corker? McConnell didn't go into detail, but he said, my principal responsibility is begging and pleading and cajoling. And I've been in continuous discussion, shall I say, with several of our members who were legitimately. What is to be happy about here? Now, this is just this is how we have gotten to where we are. For whatever reason, the Republican Party has become a party of fear. The Republican Party is timid. They are weak. They are spineless. And even more sadly, they're lacking identity and they're visionless. And what's so ironic about it is in spite of what some, you know, there, there is a schism that we have. To, there's no disputing that there is a schism. It doesn't matter that the Heritage Foundation scored Donald Trump 64% accomplished agenda in his first year as president, which was higher than the 49% of Ronald Reagan, as Trump does anything he can do on his own, by himself, by executive orders. doesn't matter if it's pipelines opening up Anwar. It doesn't matter if it's uh, saving the, the coal uh, industry or, or natural gas industries, moving America towards energy independence, you know, fighting as hard as he did to get the, the tax cut bill through. There's this mysterious reluctance among many Republicans is that they don't want to fight. I don't know what these people even believe in. I don't even know why a good half or more are there. What does the Republican Party in Congress stand for today? Because it doesn't seem fundamentally. They don't remind me. You know, it's funny. People write about me all the time. They don't know me. They 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 think they know me. They think this is about personalities for me. It's not about anybody's personality. What motivates me, what drives me, is the country. 
What drives me is fixing the country. What drives me and drove all of us in the last election was the forgotten men and forgotten women. And I can give you a checklist of how we are infinitely better off than we were before Donald Trump was elected. But with that said, there's something fundamentally wrong when a Congress passes a bill like this and does it in a way that they complained about and whined about for years. And there's something fundamentally wrong that the House of Representatives, every member of it, Republican side, will say repeal and replace Obamacare, and they'll vote 65 times when Obama is president to repeal and replace it. And then when that vote really matters and you got a president that will actually sign the bill, that 100 of them in the House are nowhere to be found. Or you have senators in 2015, they vote straight up repeal of Obamacare. And then seven of them, when it matters, two years later, the exact same bill, they vote against it. So in other words, they never really meant it. In other words, let me say it in a nice way, they were lying to you. In other words, they never, they never meant what they were saying. They never thought they'd have to get to the point they actually had to do something. And fundamentally, that's a problem. You know, I said to you during the whole health care debate, I have been discussing health savings accounts on this program. Probably, you know, I have to find out what year Musgrave and Goodman wrote patient uh, care or whatever it is. They wrote a book about health care savings accounts. Patient power is the name of the book. And I read the book a long time ago when it first came out. I'm like, this, this is gold. This is it. This answers all of our health care problems. You have health care savings accounts, individual, and, and that guarantees that every year you go to your doctor and you see your doctor and you get, you get your, your checkup and, and that's taken care of and that's part of your health plan. And, and then all the money in your young and healthy years you're accumulating so that you'll have a lot more as you get towards the end of your life when you're likely to be in need of more care. And let's say you don't need that care and you die in your sleep one night. Well, you get to give all that money to your family. I always loved that idea. Or the, you know, five years that we put on poor Josh Umber, Dr. Umber down in Wichita, Kansas, and we put him on because he came up with an innovative idea about a health care cooperative where it only costs adults 50 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month for kids, unlimited coverage. And what's so great about unlimited coverage, that means 24-7, 365, you're covered. And that includes pretty much everything any person is going to need on an average day. Broken bones, stitches, you name it. You know, you got the flu, you got a headache, whatever. He takes care of it. He personally went and negotiated with the pharmaceutical companies. Let's say you leave and you have your blood test shows you have high cholesterol or high, you leave with high blood pressure. He sends you out with your medicine at a 95% reduced rate than what you'd pay in a pharmacy. I mean, and then if you add to that a catastrophic plan, wow, that's that's even better because God forbid you, have, you get cancer or you have a bad accident or you have that heart attack. Well, you're covered for that completely at a low rate depending on what your deductible is. So you mean you're covered completely for at a at a fraction of what most people pay monthly for health care. When Republicans were debating after they finally got control of the House, the Senate, and the White House, and seven years of promises, we get to that point, and I never heard but Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and the Freedom Caucus. That's it. That, that was all who was left to discuss things that, that had been discussed regularly within Republican conservative ranks. They never even brought it up. It wasn't an option, health savings accounts. It wasn't an option for Congress 
these new innovative cooperatives. Josh Unger, Dr. Unger of Wichita, Atlas MD, he has now been going around the country and he's been able to duplicate his successful model, you know, in states and cities, big and small, all over the place because it works. We could institutionalize that nationally and everybody will have the best health care and pay half the price. It's amazing. Why would we not push that idea? And it's the same thing here is that, you know, in the, in the Obama years, everybody's everybody's complaining about, OK, well, the economy is a mess. Taxes are higher than they've ever been. And 13 million more Americans in poverty, 8 million more on food or 13 more on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation right now in large to a large extent, the president through his tax bill and the president through what he's done with regulations and the president, what he's done in executive actions and the president's pushing energy and the president enticing businesses to build manufacturing centers and factories. He's turned that all around. Now we have, you know, two million fewer people on food stamps and three million more a million million jobs are created. But that still doesn't justify this. And it's the whole way that Congress does business that makes all of us frustrated. I would have preferred that the president vetoed this today. I would have preferred that these guys not race home on vacation. There was no artificial deadline here because they could have easily passed another continuing resolution and gotten it right. But they don't want to stay and they don't want to work. But they want the benefits and privileges of being called congressman and senator. And I ask you, what does this Republican Party stand for? Because there are no bold color differences between the modern-day Republican Party and what is the Democratic Party. I mean, they're, they're about as pale as you can be. It's almost indistinguishable in terms of, you know, they both want bigger government. They both want to explode budgets. They all believe in accumulating their power by spending tax dollars. The president had a goal. The first goal was our nation's military is badly depleted. So in a sense, I mean, he was so aggravated at the press conference. I I wish he would have vetoed it and kept these people in town for a month and let them suffer a little bit because they're not serving the American people doing business like this. And I will tell you, but for the president, nobody has a chance of a recovering economy. And I just think a veto would have been appropriate here. If he did, then everybody back to the drawing board. Yeah, you bet. And that means cut, get rid of, you know, how many times have we talked about the, the penny plan? All you have to do is eliminate baseline budgeting. You cut one cent out of every dollar every year for six years. You balance your budget. Where's the Republican Party that talks about balanced budgets? Where's the Republican Party that believes in in fiscal austerity and responsibility? It doesn't exist. And that's a sad part. So if the president wants the $700 billion, the most ever spent in a defense budget, well, that cost him now because now everybody threw in their special pork projects. And that's the way they call getting business done in Washington and then pat themselves on the back and allow Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to take a victory lap. It's unbelievable. It's intolerable. And I want these people to go. They don't belong there. They don't have a vision. They don't have courage. They don't have a backbone. They don't have a spine. They don't have an identity. And that's what's been on display. There's no other way to put it. Just, you know, we we just tell it as it is. Sad. 
right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know, the funny thing is, um, occasionally we get calls on the show. I used to listen to you when you were in Huntsville or Atlanta or um, local in New York or when I first built in for Rush and I had that opportunity in my life. And and I will ask people, have I changed? I have not. I've always been a Reagan conservative. You know, it's funny the way people do not want to understand President Trump. Putting today aside, he's governed conservatively. And by the way, wanting a bigger, tougher, stronger uh, military so we can have peace through strength and, and build up strategic defense, that, that's all Reagan-esque. But the amazing thing that has happened is that the Republican Party that I know has lost its identity. They don't stand. They, why didn't they fight for health savings accounts? Why don't they fight for the penny plan? Why didn't they fight for health care cooperatives? Why wasn't it universally accepted that we're going to give the president what he wants on the military because that's what we believe in, but we're not going to take all this pork with it, and we do have both houses of Congress. Why won't Mitch McConnell get rid of this this 60-vote majority, um, which is has literally— you know, killing any ability to get major things done that will make the country better. Uh, well, then some of you will say, well, Hannity, but Trump didn't have to sign it. No, he didn't. And I wish he would have. I wish he didn't in this case. But honestly, on at least he's doing some things that are good for the economy in the country. The guy's, you know, juggling by himself with with uh, every executive order. And the tax bill that he's fighting for and energy independence where he's gotten us and, and a whole host of, of national security issues and fighting for the wall and, and wanting to build the wall. But the only people that seem to get it, help him and support him are predictable. The only people that are standing in Congress for anything seem to be the Freedom Caucus. And you got guys like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and and even Mike Lee. Now, besides that, all I, I, I see a bunch of people that have fallen into a trap that they do not want to fight hard for principles. And they care too much about keeping their jobs, not about the things that are good for the country, and not about their constituents that they made promises to. If you want to look at the root cause, and especially all the never-Trumpers, there is no intellectual movement among the never Trumpers with a vision for how to help America's forgotten men and women. They're being helped through the force of one person as a party disintegrates and has abandoned almost all of their core principles. We'll continue. All right. Glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I know a lot of you want to vent. I'm going to get to the phones here in a second. Uh, and I don't blame you, and I won't stop you, and it's uh, it's what we do every day. I've been saying this about the Republican Party forever. I, it just ended for me when when they didn't mean repeal and replace. I just I knew they were done. Their identity's missing. Uh, it's sad, actually. And, you know, is it a, a third party we need, Ronald Reagan asked at CPAC one year, or a revitalized second party? With no pale pastels, but bold colored differences. Well, they have a guy that wants to lead them with bold colored differences, but they're they're 
they're just afraid. Well, he says bad things and he tweets at everything. And like, really, that's what's scaring you so much, the tweeting? Really? Is the country going to be better off if we have the tax cuts? Is the country better off if we build the wall? Is the country better off if we repeal and replace Obamacare? Is the country better off if we live within our means? Is the country better off having a stronger military and peace through strength? What am I saying here that is not Reagan-esque? And all of these sanctimonious, self-righteous, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to them anymore. Never Trumpers. They just sit on the sidelines hoping and praying he fails. And even many of them are in Congress, in the House and in the Senate. There are rumors all over the place today. I mean, they are swirling that the FBI, DOJ, anti-Trump cabal is now being investigated by a criminal grand jury. If that ends up being true, the American thinker even had it. That would be a major bombshell. And in other words, that the Beltway hearing evidence of, uh, you know, all this evidence dug up by the inspector general. We expect that report soon. Michael Horowitz and we expect it in early April. But anyway, following the release of the report, a lot of heads are expected to roll over the media, the deep state, never Trumpers. And the first hint, I think, of the wheels of justice already grinding and turning came on March 7th when the attorney general had said, I have appointed a person outside of Washington many years in the Department of Justice to look at all the allegations that the House Judiciary Committee members sent to us, and we're conducting that investigation. Well, we also had, we played John Solomon's interview, first one ever, with this confidential informant. Uh, He was inside of Putin's operatives network within the United States, and since 2009, as operatives were bribing and blackmailing and extorting and money laundering, you know, because Putin wanted to get a foothold in the uranium network in America. He ended up getting that Uranium One deal passed, as you all know, and the kickbacks and everything that involved in it. But the FBI informant was in there the whole time, undercover. Robert Mueller was the FBI director. What was he doing? Anyway, his name is William Douglas Campbell, and he told Solomon he was interviewed for about five hours in December by FBI agents in Little Rock, Arkansas. Why? They're investigating whether donations to the Clinton Foundation were used to influence U.S. nuclear policy during the Obama years. He said he was asked specifically about whether donations to the Clinton's charitable efforts were used to influence U.S. nuclear policy during the Obama years and that agents questioned him extensively about claims the Russians made to him that they had routed millions of dollars to an American lobbying firm in 2010 and 11 with the expectation it would be used to help President Clinton's charitable organization, the Global Initiative, while major uranium decisions were pending before Hillary Clinton's State Department. And they were looking into, meaning the FBI, special agents in Little Rock were looking into the Clintons and the information he says he provided them about the Clintons and about what was said and confirmed by Russian leadership seemed to be very important to them. He said, appearing in shadow before this interview. That's something we've got to watch really closely. Um, there's so much happening. TikTok, I am telling you, you t- we've only begun to touch the surface. Anyone notice, by the way, the stormy coverage? Stormy, stormy. You know what's amazing about this? I'm going to explain this tonight also on how many times, now they're talking in Stormy's case, it was apparently she alleges a consensual relationship 12 years ago or whatever. 
The same with this other woman who used to be a Playboy model, I guess. And that was consensual. And she even said, I voted for Trump. Um, Anyway, isn't it a little different than Bill Clinton dropping his pants, exposing himself to a stranger, a woman, Paula Jones, and getting sued by Paula Jones, lying under oath and everything. That's very different, right? That's like a predatory thing versus a consensual thing. Yeah, I wonder how many times MSNBC actually spent going over and interviewing Paula Jones, because I did. In light of the Me Too movement, maybe they can revisit it. Well, what about the case of Kathleen Willey? Grope, grab, fondled, touch, kissed against her will by Bill Clinton. Well, I, thought, I thought that mattered in the day and age of, of Me Too. How many of these networks, they didn't spend any time on these topics interviewing these women? Again, not consensual. Or the allegation of rape. But for Lisa Myers and myself, I don't know of anybody else that interviewed Juanita Broderick until maybe the very end of the... And that, that would hold throughout the 2016 campaign. And then Hillary's attraction to money from countries that abuse women, gays, lesbians, and, and persecute Christians and Jews. Again, all money going to the Clinton Foundation. All right, let's get to our busy phones. We'll start with Tom in Minnesota. Tom, hi, how are you? It's not exactly a happy Friday, but welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thank you for uh, having me, Sean. Keep up the good work. Thank you. What I want to say is our deal-making quarterback, President Trump, just got sacked by this omnibus spending bill. Now is not the time to give up and walk out of the stadium. I'd use the pork and the withholds to win big in the 2018 election. This is called good time for PR and promotion. Educate the public. You know, you're raising a good point. Remember when 2013, and I know politics plays a part in people's decisions, but I think what the what voters respect the more the most is when you always stand your strongest. And if you remember, 2013 was the year that Ted Cruz did his filibuster. And I I was up almost half the night watching it. I was glad he was doing it. And every single Republican, if they would have stood firm, they could have defunded. Remember, you can't spend a dime without the approval of Congress. They could have taken away funding for Obamacare. That was they, They had the constitutional power to do it. They have the power of the purse. And Cruz stood there, and I know... Rand stood with him, Marco stood with him, and, and I think that's about it. But the predictions among the establishment, that's it, we're screwed in 2014. Just the opposite happened. 2014 ended up being a great year. Now, there's going to be a lot of primaries of a lot of these, these swamp creatures and sewer creatures that are Washington, D.C. The ones that said they wanted to repeal, replace. The ones that voted to repeal and replace when it didn't matter. And the ones that never had any intention of repealing and replacing. You know, same with building the border wall. You know, if every Republican insisted on the full funding of the border wall, we would have gotten it. You just have to stand strong and be willing to work a few extra days, which apparently is, you know, against their principles. Why work hard? Uh, Tom, thank you. Doris is in Pittsburgh, PA. How are you, Doris? Glad you called. And uh, happy Friday to you. You too. I hope you have a great weekend. But before we get to our weekend, we have business to do. Yes, ma'am. And that is, if I had been the chief of staff, I would have sent Donald Trump into that press conference with a huge blowtorch. And I would have told him to burn that thing to ashes and send it to the ash heap of history. 
Donald Trump has made the biggest mistake of his presidency. That man said and admitted he didn't know what was in that bill except for the military spending. All happy with that. He, but he didn't know what else was in that. When did Donald Trump ever sign a contract without knowing every detail that was in that contract? Shame on him. Who's I your con- who's your congressman? Wait, what district are you in? Have you ever thought of running? <laughs> You'd be great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, too many skeletons in my closet. I was a big protester at one time and spent some time in jail, which is why I'm so I'm so furious right now. We did not elect Donald Trump. What did you spend time in? What did you spend time in jail for? You're making me laugh. (laughs) I I don't want to. I'm not in a great mood today. I don't want to laugh, but you made me laugh. I did pro-life protesting and sat in front of abortion Mm -hmm. clinics and got my butt kicked for trying to stand up for life and. I it would have vetoed the bill, time. too, and I think it would have been a, a big moment for the president as well. I, let, me, let me tell you how I feel about this. I, I, and I'm torn because I, I'm, I wish he would have done exactly as you say. And I'm mad that he didn't do it. And I hadn't talked to him about it. But I will tell you that at least, he's, at least he fights for a lot of things and wins. But I can tell you. You got every single day. These people that he works with in his party suck so bad. They don't do any heavy lifting. At least the guy does some. At least the guys kept a a lot of the promises. These guys keep no promise. And I'm not making excuses for it. And he wanted the military money and he paid the price. You could see how aggravated he was today. Um, any look, I would have rather to keep them there through Easter, uh, through January, as far as I'm concerned. They never should go home until they do the people's work. But, you know, have you thought about running, Doris? I will donate to your campaign. Oh, thank you. But has he had ever realized, does he realize that he's had a lot of his agenda just gutted today? Well, I, 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 this is my take on it. I think he made a calculation and this is my take, my, my belief that he's looking at a threat assessment that is presented to him every day. He's look at, looking at a depleted military. He wanted the biggest military budget in history. And he knew the only way or felt or was be- brought to believe that the only way he could get it was to compromise on this crap bill. Because he wanted the military spending. That's, and, and you guys, everybody else is going to have to decide on their own. What they what they think happened. That's my take on it. But I think he was as disgusted as you are. And I could you could see it in his face when he said, I'm never doing this again. This is bull. But I need the money from our military and we got to get this money. That's uh, how I took it. Give excuses, Sean. Let's not. Yeah, no, it's an Listen, it's, a, it's like my kids when they do something wrong. I don't want to hear excuses either. You're right. I'm not going to disagree. Doris, God bless you. Thank you. Travis Atlanta. What's up, Travis? WSB. Sean, I have a different take. I agree with everything that everybody said, and of course what you said, because I'm a long-time listener and very privileged to speak with you, sir. But I wonder if Trump is as smart in strategy as we think he is, is this a ploy to get the Republicans backing in, in his camp by them going home and getting an earful from the constituents and then having to come back and address this in six months, and then they'll be ready to get on board with what his plan is. Let me, let me tell you politically where the Republicans stand after today. Um, they better 
you know, they, they look, if they do well, they they would they would pat themselves on the back. If they do poorly, they already are going to blame Donald Trump. They have nobody else but themselves to blame. And when I say they have abandoned their identity, when they have abandoned their principles and that they are just a carbon copy of the Democratic Party, it's true. I'm speaking truth here. And the only way to get it back is to go back to first principles. All of us in our lives, we've got to adjust at times and we've got to say, all right, let me go back to the fundamentals in life. You know, and when you do that, you usually end up doing better. And for the Republicans, what do they stand for? Now, if they stood for balanced budgets, if they stood for fiscal responsibility, if they stood for conservative justices, if they stood for the rule of law, if they if they stood for controlling the borders and peace through strength and a strong military and energy independence and, you know, real solutions to health care, like health savings accounts and cooperatives. And they started some more innovative thinking that used to exist among Republican circles, they do a lot better off. And if what it's we're now about to hit April between now and November, there's not a lot of time politically speaking. And they've got a lot of damage that they have done here that they now need to repair. But, you know, if there is a good economy, it'll be the president that gets the credit. Everything he's done by ending burdens and regulation, everything he's done on energy, everything he's done pushing for the tax cuts, everything he's done on repatriation. You know, I give credit where credit is due. And and but some of these Republicans don't mean what they say. We've learned the lesson now. So some of them have to go. All right. Eight hundred nine four one Sean toll free telephone number. We continue our investigation into Robert Mueller next with Sarah Carter. Also be checking in with uh, David Schoen later on. Dave Brad of the Freedom Caucus joins us and much more. As we roll along on this uh, Friday, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know, write us on Twitter. Write us on uh, Hannity.com. I know uh, a lot of you are angry and outraged. And, uh, you know, take a close look at who your congressmen, your senators are. Take a close look. Take a look of where they voted. And, um, you know, you, you've got to balance everything. Um, I just think that there's there's no vision. There is no fight in these Republicans in Congress. It's pathetic. And uh, at least the president has a fight. But again, I wouldn't have signed this. I would have made him stay. That's why I'm not a Republican. I'm never I haven't been a Republican in years. I'm a registered conservative. All right. Our deep state investigation into Mueller and Weissman and all these guys. We've got new information next. All right. Hour two, Sean Hannity show toll free. Our telephone number 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, Congressman Dave Brad is irritated beyond words as our most Freedom Caucus members over this omnibus bill. We'll get to him coming up in an hour from right now. Uh, but first, we continue our week-long investigation into, well, the beyond reproach Robert Mueller and his merry band of Democratic Obama, Hillary, donors, supporters, etc. Remember, Andrew Weissman was uh, at Hillary headquarters on election night. He was so giddy that he thought Hillary was going to win. Now he's part of Mueller's team. Now, we've been really unpeeling this layer of an onion, and we're beginning to learn a lot. It culminated in a column that Sarah Carter has put out today, and it's Robert Mueller, Andrew Weissman, the FBI, and the mob. We're going to explain that in a second. But the other big news and information, of course, talking about Robert Mueller's years and the cooperation with Whitey Bulger, a gangster, a murderer. But another part of this is the deep state. And that goes to Clapper and Brennan and Comey. Here's Comey and here's James Clapper. Pay close attention to what they are saying. 
Director Comey, have you ever been an anonymous source in news reports about matters relating to the Trump investigation or the Clinton investigation? Never. Uh, question two on relatively uh, related. Have you ever authorized someone else at the FBI to be an anonymous source in news reports about the Trump investigation or the Clinton investigation? No. Has any classified information relating to President Trump or his associates been declassified or, and shared with the media? Not to my knowledge. He replied, and I quote here, the story that we have millions or hundreds of millions of dossiers on people is completely false. The reason I'm asking the question is having served on the committee now for a dozen years, I don't really know what a dossier is in this context. So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not? Not wittingly. There are cases where they could in inadvertently perhaps uh, collect, but not, not wittingly. Oh, they collect data. Well, we've had people that contradict that on this program. Uh, we've, we have people that set up the N NSA program that say that there are metadata centers in places like Salt Lake City and, and elsewhere, and then they all say the same thing. You know, Bill Benny, 34-year vet NSA, said every single email, every text, every phone call is all collected. So uh, then you have in that those two instances, Comey lying, Clapper lying. We went over yesterday how, how Brennan lied. Anyway, joining us to uh, continue our deep dive this week, Sarah Carter, investigative reporter, Fox News contributor, Doug Schoen, civil rights criminal defense attorney, as we continue our five-day investigation of Robert Mueller and company. And Sarah, uh, I think the headline speaks volumes, Robert Mueller, Andrew Weissman, the FBI and the mob. And, and this, you know, if you look at the top players here, not the rank and file, I don't think I've ever seen more botched cases or more examples of withholding exculpatory evidence in my life. Yeah, and I mean, these are just some of the older cases where we're seeing the very beginnings of their careers and how they protected one another and how close they were allies. I mean, Robert Mueller is a very close friend of James Comey. They worked together on a number of cases. Just to bring up the anthrax case, to name one, which, which a lot of people said they botched. And, of course, we know that they had been accusing an innocent man, and uh, it, it culminated in a suicide, and they missed the guy that actually did it. And now you look at this past case in Boston, and you say to yourself, where four, in, four innocent men were put in prison, and they had evidence by the time Mueller was there, and he was supervising over the FBI as, as the attorney general, he, you know, there was actual evidence that these men did not commit the murders, and that evidence was withheld. He wrote numerous letters denying them parole. So a lot of people want to know, did you know what was going on then? Those are questions that he never answered. Then you go, when Mueller was head of the FBI, uh, you know, and the, you go to Ted Stevens, you know, Senator Ted Stevens in Alaska, who, you know, was then accused by the FBI of, you know, a quid pro quo, later found out that there was no evidence there, that people within the FBI withheld evidence. Um, he later died in a plane crash in 2010, but, you know, he was exonerated, but not until after. I mean, he was pulled from, from, from his seat, and, uh, and he, uh, you know, and he lost, and he was convicted, and then it was overturned. I mean, th this is just incredible stuff, Sean, where if you look at the past, 
just based on what the media had said about him when he first came in, oh, there's nobody better. This is the guy. He's going he's gonna to run this special, special counsel with objectivity, the scales of justice. But then you go and look at past cases and you say to yourself, no. Really? Maybe not. This is not what he does. Um, he's a hard-nosed guy, prosecutor, and he has a lot of friends that have done a lot of things that are questionable, like Andrew Weissman. And don't forget Andrew Weissman's email that was discovered by Judicial Watch, you know, to Sally Yates for standing up to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, President Trump uh, and, and how he lauded her for, for standing the way, up to him. By the way, wasn't Andrew Weissman leaking to the press on, on Paul Manafort before he was ever even a Appointed? Wouldn't that have rendered him uh, uh, incapable of taking the job? Well, you would you would think, and remember that was the meeting that he had with the Associated Press, and this wasn't something that came from one of his enemies. This was he was actually reported by the FBI, you know, to the DOJ about talking to the Associated Press uh, about Paul Manafort before he was ever brought in on the case, and this was Andrew Weissman. So there's a lot of concern here about the direction that the special counsel is going to take and how they're going to do this. And I think one of the issues that is concerning everyone is whether or not the president is going to choose to speak to Robert Mueller. And there is a lot of consensus among a lot of attorneys out there, very well-respected attorneys, that in no way should he speak to him unless they can show some proof of some type of crime. There's no way that the president should talk to him, even though he wants to, even though he doesn't uh, in his, I, I, in his he, heart he can't. that he's ever done anything wrong. No good attorney would ever allow the president of the United States, I think, to testify, or if it did, it's got to be very, very limited in the scope, and it's got to be I, I almost treated like a proffer beforehand. Everybody knows what's going to be said. I, the, David Schoen, I wouldn't accept any other condition. I wouldn't. Uh, you're 100% right, and I wouldn't accept any conditions. There is absolutely no way that this president should meet with Robert Mueller or anyone on his staff. Period. End of story. I don't care what the political ramifications are. All right. Let's say are. he doesn't do it. Let's walk through that scenario, and Mueller holds his ground. Then where do we go? Well, first of all, it should be the lawyer's decision. The lawyer clearly makes the call, and the client ought to follow that decision. And it's not on Mr. Trump. No one, no one, fairly should accuse Mr. Trump of anything wrong by not meeting with the special prosecutor. Look, today there's a case reported. Let's just show how far this thing has gone. There's an associate from Skadden Arps who pled guilty not to any underlying crime, but to lying or misleading Mr. Mueller about an email, etc. Those are the kinds of things that people like Mueller and Weissman and his team would look to bring, and that they have that authority under this broad special counsel jurisdiction. Once the investigation begins, they can charge people, anyone who gets in their way, who they unilaterally decide is lying with a crime. But I'd like to say one more thing, if I can, to back up from your discussion a second ago. Sarah Carter's piece is the definitive piece on this, uh, on this matter, Mueller and Weissman, etc. And your show this past week should be recorded and played by everyone in the country. Sarah Carter's article should be hanging on every icebox. And why? Because as she has said, um, let's look to the past to predict the future. You know where they teach that? The FBI Academy teaches all of its new agents that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. You can read Ronald Kessler on that. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Mueller has tried to put all of these things in the past, refused to answer questions from the media, and he has said, as we discussed before, what happened back then was a long time ago. Well, you know what? Let's bring it a little bit closer. In today's New York Times, they say in an editorial, 
Mr. Mueller, in many ways, represents Mr. Trump's polar opposite. Mueller is a man who has devoted his life to respecting and enforcing the law. Really? Well, that's not what the New York Times said just a couple of years ago, when the New York Times was decrying Mr. Mueller's role in what they, New York Times, characterized as severe abuses at the detention facility in Brooklyn after 9-11. It's not what the New York Times said when the, uh, Mr. Mueller and the government were required to pay, or the Justice Department had to pay Dr. Hadfield $4.6 million for a botched investigation led by Mr. Mueller. So that's what, look how politics makes strange bedfellows. The pure, unadulterated hatred of Mr. Trump trumps everything. And so now Mr. Mueller is a hero for even those people who back then thought he was the worst. But the narrative went through. This is the point. We didn't do the deep dive until recently. And everything I learned about his his activities and his work in Boston, as I said to you earlier this week, Sarah, now I understand why he hired Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman has his atrocious record, you know, of of overreaching and withholding evidence and being overturned 9-0 in the Supreme Court, sending innocent people to jail, overturned Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, because it seems that Mueller had the exact same background. He understands how far Weissman's going to go, right, Sean? I mean, this is a man who has had long-time relationship with Andrew Weissman. He knows him well. He worked with him at the FBI. He made him his general counsel for several years. He's had a close relationship with Comey, which should have conflicted him out anyways from being special counsel, because how can he fairly address this issue when James Comey was fired by the president, which the president had every right and every authority to do so when he did, and and which, by the way, the Democrats wanted, even months before the president fired him, the Democrats were dragging Comey's name through the mud uh, because of what he did uh, during the investigation and, and then coming back and reopening again on Hillary Clinton. So now you have everybody kind of louding, just as, as as David Schoen said, you know, in the New York Times, it's like they think people aren't going to remember the past. They think we're not going to go back and look at historical records. Well, we are. And there are questions that Mueller still has to answer. And there's a lot of concern about Mueller and his past and the cases that he was involved in. And we're not taking away from things that he may have done in his life that should be lauded, like his service in the military. But when you look at the cases on their face, when you look at those cases, you have to question where he is going with this against President Trump. Where is he going? Answer your own question. He is going to try to entrap President Trump. Based on his past, all he needs is for President Trump to start talking, to not remember something correctly, to not turn over some kind of email, to open the door. Look, even if he gives a written statement, even if he gives a written statement to Robert Mueller, he's opening the door. He does not, and he should not, according to the people that I've spoken with, speak with Robert Mueller unless Mueller has some reason to speak with him and he has right. to prove something we got to take a break more of our investigation week-long investigation into robert Mueller and his merry band of clinton obama dnc supporters and donors and it's a history of corruption it's a history of literally of breaking the rules and pretty much doing everything that they want and in many instances even getting caught doing it but they pay no penalty 
we uh, wrap up our investigation today of the investigators. We'll have more tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Sarah Carter and uh, David Schoner with us as we do our deep dive into who is the special counsel, who is Robert Mueller, what is his background uh, and experience, and everything that we seem to be discovering is beyond troubling on top of the relationship that exists between all of them, McCabe and Mueller and Comey and Rosenstein and everybody else involved in this. It's uh, pretty amazing how many times their paths have crossed. And, uh, of course, we have a stacked deck as it relates to the special counsel, all Democrats, all donating to Clinton and and the DNC and Obama. So this now raises the question with all that we're discovering and all that we know, will there be a second special counsel to investigate the FBI, the Department of Justice, what happened with the FISA court, what happened with the Clinton email investigation, uh, who paid for the dossiers. That all coming, Sarah Carter? I believe it is. Um, And according to the sources that I've spoken with, it looks like it's going to happen. I think that what we'll see is, first, the inspector general's report will come out. And I think this inspector general's report is going to be explosive. When are we getting this? We've been waiting. We've been waiting. And look, he's interviewing more people. That's what I've been told. There's certain things that he's trying to button up before he releases this. It could be any time. I know they said that already, uh, but according to some of the sources I've spoken with, uh, the Inspector General Michael Horowitz is now uh, re-investigating some issues and interviewing uh, possibly more witnesses and people for his report, which uh, will be released, I believe, within the next two to three weeks. I think at that point, the Department of Justice, it will be up to them to decide whether or not a second special counsel is necessary. I've been hearing that is where they are moving. Remember, there's a lot of pressure from Senator Grassley. He's got quite a bit of power ahead of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's the chairman. Others, good lot, others have called for this second special counsel. It's it's going to happen, Sean. Uh, There really is no way around it right now. Last word, David Cho. I'm going to say this, Mr. Hannity, um, and I say this after a lot of thought. No one else has exposed what you're exposing on this Mueller team about Mueller and Weissman, you and Sarah Carter, about Mueller and Weissman, about the team, about the makeup of the team, which is not coincidental. It should outrage people if they'll just listen and take a look for themselves into this. And by the way, just how dangerous it is Mr. Trump were to meet with them, the people should understand this. If Mr. Trump said something and 12 priests and rabbis said it's absolutely 100 percent true, if Mr. Mueller said, you know what, I don't think it's true, Mr. Mueller has the discretion to charge a crime. Now, that's pretty outrageous, but that's the fact. It's unilateral decision. And I can see them all on the team high-fiving each other afterwards that they got him in there, and here's what they're going to call a crime or a lie, uh, which becomes a crime. It's absolutely outrageous, but that's just how dangerous it is. No criminal defense lawyer worth his or her salt would uh, allow Mr. Trump to go in and meet with Mr. Mueller. All right, we'll have more on Hannity tonight. 800-941-SEAN on this Friday. We'll check in with Congressman Dave Bratt. He's going to join us. Also, our financial Fridays are back. Maybe you can take measures to protect yourself and your family. That's straight ahead. All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. As we are joined by Congressman Dave Bratt of Virginia. Let's go back. Earlier news today. Obviously, if you're conservative, you're not happy at the $1.3 trillion omnibus bill. President was was clearly agitated today. Here's his explanation. The 
Last time we negotiated something like this, and as you know, it's always been a problem for our country. They get together and they create a series of documents that nobody's been able to read because it was it was just done. Now, you tell me who can read that quickly. It takes a long time to read it. For the last eight years, deep defense cuts have undermined our national security. How old are, and they just, if you look at what's taken out, they've hallowed our readiness as a military unit and put America at really grave risk. My highest duty is to keep America safe. Nothing more important. The omnibus bill reverses this dangerous defense. As crazy as it's been, as difficult as it's been, as much opposition to the military as we've had from the Democrats, and it has been tremendous. I try to explain to them, you know, the military is for Republicans and Democrats and everybody else. It's for everybody. But we have tremendous opposition to creating really what will be the far, by far, the strongest military that we've ever had. We've had that from the Democrats. So if we take something for the military, they want something for, in many cases, things that are really a wasted sum of money. And it's not right, and it's very bad for our country. We're looking to do funding for our final fight in certain areas. As you know, we've gotten just about 100% of our land back from ISIS. We have troop increases necessary to accomplish what we have to do, and we have, very importantly, a pay increase for our troops. And this will be actually the largest pay increase for our incredible people in over a decade. It increases total defense spending by more than $60 billion from last year and funds the addition of critically needed ships, planes, helicopters, tanks, and submarines. We have submarines being built, the likes of which there's nothing anywhere in the world like the submarines we build. Our military equipment is the best equipment in the world. And one of the things you saw two days ago with Saudi Arabia and with other countries. Saudi Arabia, as an example, is buying hundreds of billions of dollars worth of our equipment. And we're getting very fast approvals on that. Therefore, as a matter of national security, I've signed this omnibus budget bill. There are a lot of things that I'm unhappy about in this bill. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't have had in this bill, but we were, in a sense, forced, if we want to build our military, we were forced to have. There are some things that we should have in the bill. But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what it is. $1.3 trillion. It's the second largest ever. President Obama signed one that was actually larger which I'm sure he wasn't too happy with either. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military and because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. We have to get rid of the filibuster rule. We have to get rid of the filibuster rule and go to 51 votes in the Senate if we're going to have really sustained, continued success. DACA recipients have been treated extremely badly. 
by the Democrats. We wanted to include DACA. We wanted to have them in this bill. 800,000 people. And actually, it could even be more. And we wanted to include DACA in this bill. The Democrats would not do it. They would not do it. To prevent the omnibus situation from ever happening again, I'm calling on Congress to give me a line item veto for all government spending bills. And the Senate must end. They must end the filibuster rule and get down to work. We have to get a lot of great legislation approved. And without the filibuster rule, it'll happen just like magic. I want to address the situation on border security, which I call national defense. I call it stopping drugs from pouring across our border. And I call it illegal immigration. It's all of those things. But national defense is a very important two words, because by having a strong border system, including a wall, we are in a position militarily that is very advantageous. And before I get off of that subject, I'd like to ask Secretary Mattis to talk about what we've accomplished in terms of the military, because there has never been anything like we've been able to do. Our military is very depleted, but it's rapidly getting better. And in a short period of time, it will be stronger than it has ever been. Now, Congressman Dave Pratt was also on with uh, my friend Stuart Varney on the Fox Business Network, and here's what he had to say and thought he made some really good points. This is the premier issue he ran on, and he's getting nothing uh, at, at, at the end of the year, right? And this is our, our big leverage moment. And the folks back home may not know the Senate put in the last budget that they're not even going to do a budget next year. So no chance for wall funding. No okay. chance to get the Goodlatte bill in. His team is for it, but he, he's got some advisors that are just saying, just go along to get along. And yeah. Let's add another trillion deficit this year, $21 trillion in debt we're passing right now, and we got $100 trillion in unfunded liability. Uh, by the All way, Congressman. predicated on this budget. All right, Congressman Pratt from the Commonwealth of Virginia joins us now. He's part of the Freedom Caucus. I told you they're the only people you can trust to keep their promises in Washington, uh, especially in Congress. Uh, he's upset about this as uh, I am upset about about this and what's really despicable as you look at this this massive omnibus bill in all of this you know it and god bless Rand paul in the senate for reading this thing is that the only good thing we seem to get out of it is rebuilding our military but the price is so high to get that when it's the number one responsibility of these people where is the republican vision for conservatism or does it just not exist anymore Dave Brett. Yeah, yeah, Sean. Yeah, I think you're right. We need to put together a, a contract for America again. The problem is we always run into these deadlines, and that's when the swamp wins, right? We have no leverage. And so as of day one, the president needs to you know, But Dave, you know and I know they, they create artificial deadlines. Oh, that's, that's then what they saying, Then right? they negotiate it all in secret. Then they don't give you any time to read the bill. The Republican leadership is as bad and, frankly, maybe worse because they should know better than the Democrats. Right, and that clip you just played is, too, the president, the, the Senate technically voted that we won't do a budget next year, but they still can't. If the president says, this is total baloney, my agenda isn't getting through, and we're not not waiting until November to see how the election goes. We're going to do my agenda prior to November. He can tell the Senate they have to do a budget, and they still can't, right? There's there's ways to do that. We can do reconciliation where you need 51 votes. That's how we got taxed through. Now we need to do immigration using that and welfare reform, and uh, we're, we're funding Planned Parenthood, uh, which runs ads against Republicans. So taxpayers are paying, and Republicans just passed a bill 
to run ads against ourselves. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Listen, I'm just I'm I'm just going to be honest, and I'm I'm being totally honest with our audience. I have lost all hope in this Republican leadership. I have I have no faith or hope in what they do anymore. They're such swamp creatures. They are so immersed in the culture of D.C. I don't even know if they realize how bad they've gotten. And by that is, you know, when you spend seven years, Congressman, promising the American people something as deep and profound as repealing and replacing Obamacare, you, you have 60, 65 show votes. So every time you go back to your district, you say, I just voted this week to repeal and replace Obamacare. And then when it really matters, when you have a president that would replace Obamacare and 100 Republicans are like too timid. Oh, no, no, I didn't really mean it. And seven Senate Democrats that had voted to repeal Obamacare just two years prior, and then it's going to work this time, and they change their mind on the exact same bill. I, I, I don't have faith in those people. There's not enough Freedom Caucus guys. There's not enough conservatives in the Republican caucus. And frankly, the moderates and the whiny rhinos, you know, run roughshod over everybody. Yep. And so, I mean, we've got to get the president out front. He's got the megaphone right now to call for what you just said. Hey, can you imagine if we would have come in the first week and repealed Obamacare instead of socializing? Right now we're doing subsidies to Obamacare to keep socialism alive. I mean, it's unbelievable. That would have changed the dynamics. Then you'd have free market, one-fifth of the economy, health care. People would be happy on that front. You do tax cuts, and then you do immigration. Immigration is still the number one issue. It's over Obamacare in, in the latest polling. And people want to see some clarity, and then they want to see that there's not two justices system like you play every night right we our leadership they can do that trump and our leadership tomorrow can say we're going to run the second uh, investigation and get some closure and say yes these investigations are all going forward there's not two systems of justice in this country we're still a nation under law for everybody and uh, we can do that tomorrow and i, I believe that the american people are roaring right now you can hear it out there and they are not happy well you do you do know that i mean i i don't have a relationship with these guys anymore none and because I'm not taking their their lies, their BS and everything else, I'm just not doing it. And and I look at this and I'm thinking, oh, everybody wants to get home. And th- now the president's decision, every decision he's going to make here is a bad decision because, OK, he, he wants the military spending. We desperately need our military built back up because it's been decimated. So you hold hostage the president. If he wants military spending, then he's got to pay for everything and then some. It's ridiculous. The whole system is screwed up. Yeah, well, on, on the fiscal front, we just locked in until September for a disaster. That's the swamp, right? That's the issue that shows it. But, but I'm not giving up hope. There's the fight. The American people are there rallying, and we need to use it before November. And so we can do reconciliation, and we need to call on leadership to do it. And the president needs to call on leadership, uh, House and Senate, to, to do reconciliation to get our priorities through. The Senate doesn't want to have to take a vote on anything, right? That's why they did that. They said, we're not going to do a vote uh, because they want to hide under their desk, and uh, that's not acceptable. And if, if we don't, uh, November's not going to be pleasant. Well, I mean, they've had every opportunity. You know, the, the way to win elections I don't think is that complicated. You, you have a vision. You go out there. You campaign on your vision, and then you go, and you stay true to your principles, and you fulfill every promise you possibly can. And then you go for re-election, and you tell people we're better off because conservatism works better than what Obama, Pelosi, and the Democrats were offering. And yet, you know, we still can't get Republicans on one page united even to repeal and replace Obamacare. We can't get them united on on being fiscally responsible. So, 
it's kind of hard when you have a general and you have no soldiers behind them. Yeah, well, and you're right. I mean, I did that, right? So I went, I got a 100% score with everybody, small business, taxes, everything, healthcare, free markets, everything. So I went, kept my promise, but there's a wave in Virginia building, a blue wave, and we need to stop it, and we need everybody on the same messaging page, right? That's our problem is we're not messaging as a unity. The Democrats, Congressman, I, I laid out a on. Republican contract with America, a conservative right. solutions caucus in right. 2013. Here we are five years later, and they didn't want to adopt it then because it would hold them accountable, and they don't want to adopt right. it now. Let's be honest. That's what we need. That's what we need is accountability yeah. from you, the American people, and uh, they can do it. But the, the American people need to send the signal as to what they want. Very loud and clear right now. All right, stay right there. More with Congressman Dave Pratt. He's with the Freedom Caucus. They did not support this omnibus spending bill. They held strong. Uh, We'll get back to that and more on the 2018 elections and people like Dave Pratt being targeted unfairly because he is a real conservative. Quick break. Right back, and uh, we will continue. Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, Congressman Dave Bratt is with us, Freedom Caucus member. And let me go to your district. You um, you won, you defeated the House, I guess he was the majority leader at the time, yep. if I'm not mistaken, when you took on Eric Cantor. And that was, uh, it was like a political earthquake because Congress, it, you know, the turnover is so small every given year. But And, and you've stuck yep. true to what you believe in, but now you're being targeted in the 2018 election. For what reason, considering you're one of the few guys that actually kept your promises? Well, I think that's precisely why, right? The Democrats and the left, when I go on TV and explain Obamacare or explain tax cuts and who's better off and why and why Republican policy is better, they don't like that, right? And so you get rid of the messenger. And so I got a target on my back from the Democrats because I'm effective at conveying. They can't run on policy. You don't see, mm-hmm. they don't have an alternative for Obama. Well, they run on, I hate Trump, I hate Trump, I hate Trump. Right. They're just running. And, and then you'll see in the districts, they're going to run on all negative, right? It'll be the politics of personal destruction, negativity, you can go out to all the Democrat sites and see them. Blue Virginia, go out and look at my Facebook right now. It's all four-letter words by the Democrats who are calling for unity and our values. They say they're for our values and unity and getting along and go look at their language. I went to seminary. Mm-hmm. None of it from me. I just run on policy, and that's why the American people need to make a real choice coming up here, right? Are you right. back the people that are doing the right thing? For the right reasons, they held true. I got 100% score with everybody. We need more conservatives in Congress, and I know a lot of people be primary this year. When that happens, we're going to go through a list and let people know how we can. The answer is is a group of conservatives that are elected, not Republicans, conservatives. Dave Bratt, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone. All right, this horrific omnibus bill. There is no strong conservative Republican Party anymore. It doesn't exist. I mean, it's just a frustrating day all the way around. Now, we have April 15th is is coming, and I know everybody everybody I've been talking to recently, oh, I've got to do my taxes. Oh, i got to do my taxes. And it's so annoying and complicated and frustrated. You've got the new tax bill passed at the end of last year. Um, we barely know if we're coming and going with um, with money. 
Now, full disclosure, let me give you the background of our next guest. So I was a local host in Atlanta, and there was a show on Saturday afternoon. It was a major hit. It was the Gene Hensler show, and they talked about money. And I remember at one point, at this point in my life, and this is 1992, I didn't have any money. I didn't, so to speak. I mean, I managed to buy my first house in Atlanta for like $113,000. I was the happiest person on earth to get that first home. That's why when I talk about forgotten men and women, well, it's important because every American should strive to have that dream happen. It was a modest house, but I loved it. It was the end of a cul-de-sac. It was kind of buried in a little valley. I painted it. I, I redid the inside. I did the kitchen floor, redid that. I, I was doing my little, you know, honeydew projects and all that sort of stuff, and I loved it. And I was very, very happy. Anyway, I didn't, never thought I would at any point. I never got into radio to get paid, to be honest. I did it because I loved it. But uh, ever since then, Gene Hensler's firm is now basically the president and CEO of it is Bill Laco, who's with us. I have used them for my financial dealings, all of them, full disclosure. And uh, we've done some business deals together and, and so on and so forth. But um, in many ways, Bill, I'm, I'm still that kid that that you guys took on as a charity case to be blunt back in Atlanta. I mean, you know, you you would never at that time you weren't taking people like me that had pretty much zero net wealth, net That's worth. That's a true statement. That's a true statement. And now I'm the best client you have. What that's an amazing American success story. Probably <laughs> the most annoying. Too. <laughs> um one of the things Bill and I have robust conversations all the time and we're watching the the roller coaster ride that is the stock market and losing what seven twelve yesterday it was down and up today both you know going all over the place but bill likes the stock market especially if you're not going to need money over 10 years and he lays out a great case for that but i disagree with him i just don't have the stomach for the what is the roller coaster ride of the stock market so you know slowly but surely um i convinced him that i was more interested in bricks and mortar and real estate investments and things like that. And and I think I've convinced you that I had a pretty good plan. I don't know. I'll let you speak for yourself. No, you did. You did. You stressed us pretty good, though. But but we, we've got it. It's, it's running pretty good. Well, what do you mean I stressed years. you pretty? What do you mean I stressed well, you pretty good? <laughs> well, we weren't in the real estate business back then. So well, you, you said get in the business and we got in it. We know how to do it now. You know, but I think most people and I, I, I want to get to everybody because it's so sad that so many people that I know and uh, struggle financially. They're trying to put their kids through college in a college fund. They're trying to save for a rainy day. They're trying to maybe take a vacation a year. You know, everybody's gulping water. It's sad. It's hard. And that's what I wanted, wanted to bring you on today. How do people accumulate more wealth and get to save more for their future? That's really the fundamental question. Well, I think it, it, it you know, it, it starts with having a decent tax plan. And there's a couple things I wanted to touch on, and I will. But but the, the first thing is, is that most people in America have a 401k plan. Most people in America have their company that will match that 401k plan. I gave a, a talk at Kennesaw State University, now the I think the third largest university in Georgia. Now it wasn't that big when you were here, Sean. I asked the question of the audience. I said, how many of you have 401k plans? They all raise their hand. How many of you contribute? Half of them raise their hand. How many of you have matching 401k plans? All of them raise their hand. So I don't know any place in the world where you can get a 100% rate of return on your investment than by putting at least the match in the 401k plan. And oh, by the way, it's tax deductible. The simple. Well, let's thing start with do, the average person because most people I know spend beyond their means. 
And I worked my whole life in a business where I always thought I was getting fired the next day. And I remember when I bought that first home, it was in Roswell, Georgia, $113,000. And I remember I knew that if I got fired, I'd be able to afford the house payments for at least two years. And I said, okay, now I felt safer knowing I could do that. Sure. Well, Well, look, I... I I think the first thing people have to do is take a look at their budget. Nobody wants to do this. I mean, I'm telling you, Sean, people do not wake up in the morning and say, oh, let's go get a financial plan today, or oh, let's look at our budget. Generally, something happens to force you to go, oh, I better take a look at this. This is tax time. Uh, April 17th this year is the cutoff. This is a good time to look at it for, for a couple of reasons. One is you got to file 17. 2018 is completely different. I mean, if you think the way you filed in 2017 is going to be the same for 2018, it's not. And I'll explain that here in a second. But this is a good time just to kind of look at where you spend money. And the reality is, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't spend money at Starbucks. I mean, I'm not picking on Starbucks, but if you need to cut somewhere, well, maybe well, drink cheaper coffee. I don't know. I mean, they can get better coffee from the Black Rifle Coffee Company, and yeah, they're going <laughs> to save money. But no, this is important. If, so you're saying for everybody, it would be a good idea make a budget. Just sit down, Absolutely. and I'm not going to spend above this, and I'm going to put X number of dollars away every week, every month, every two weeks for savings. Listen, when I started working for Gene, when I was 23 years old, he said, Bill, all you have to do is save. 10% of what you earn. Spend the rest. It won't matter. By the time you're my age, you'll be more wealthy than you ever thought you were going to be. I didn't believe him, so I saved 20. And he's absolutely right. I mean, I'm pushing 50 now, and I have more money than I thought I would ever have. I mean, I grew up poor you know, in Stone Mountain, not unlike you, Sean, in terms of background, doing construction drive for Domino's the whole nine yards. You, know, you work hard, you climb the ladder, you get to some place. Well, you got to be saving along the way. You just have to. So to be do, But most Americans don't save, so this has to be a conscious choice that you're going to have to cut and maybe maybe you you don't buy the bigger house you get the smaller house you don't get the new car you get the used car by the way everyone buys a new car new car and thinks everyone's looking at them and nobody gives a rip what you're driving <laughs> nobody cares <laughs> That's a true statement. It's such a true statement. And and but I won't oh I really need this new Porsche. I'm like, why? You don't need it? You right. know, maybe that's the criteria. Do you really need the things you're buying? Yes. But look, you know, a lot of you times know Linda is... buys most of her clothes on Amazon, she tells me. Well, I don't what's wrong with that? Nothing. Clark okay. Howard, you know what Clark Howard would do? Clark oh, yeah. Howard <laughs> he used to buy it from the Goodwill shop. Right. I mean mm-hmm. and, and God and God bless him. And and he looked great. Well, look, this is, you know, a lot of times people can't do this on their own. It's very emotional, and that's why they hire professionals. And, you know, I, I think being able to sit down with somebody and look at your situation and say, how much do I need to be saving to be able to retire is, a stunning, is, is stunning to most people who come in. It, 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 it can actually be very shocking. And I get it because we have a lot of young employees here, and they have, you know, one to three children. And I'm, it's hard to make ends meet. It is. But what about you know, other options? Should people think about maybe a second job that they just save money for, maybe one day a week? Absolutely. I mean, any way you can either increase your revenue or cut your expenditures is the best thing to do, and then to save it. Now, what you do with it after you save it is another question. All right. So let's talk about a long-term plan for the average person that's going to maybe follow your advice, work a little more, save a little more. And what should they be doing with their money? What should they be investing in? Well, I think initially you got to have, like you did, Sean, you have to have an emergency reserve set aside. You know, whether that's three months or six months, some people want one year. There's no real right number. It's really based upon your situation. And what I mean by that is, okay, do you have adequate health care? Do you have disability insurance? So if something bad were to happen, you'll be able to, to, to pay your bills. And 
how quickly can you be reemployed? If you know you could be reemployed in three months, well, then 90 days is probably enough. If you're in a profession where it might take you six months to nine months to a year, well, then you better have a little more emergency reserve set aside. And that's just generally going to be in a CD or money market. And you're not going to earn anything. It's really there for you to be able to call on when you need to. So that would be cash availability. Now, why do you have, and you and I have fought about this uh, (laughs) at length, and I think I've literally, the reason you've lost so much hair in recent years is because of me, but but you have more faith in the stock market than I do. To me, it's gambling. I don't trust it, but you do trust it. Well, I trust, I trust the big companies. I trust the, the, the financially strong companies. I trust that people need more toothbrushes and toilet paper and tampons and all the things that people need um, to live. I trust that. I know people are going to go to McDonald's. I don't really care where the stock market is today. I mean, I, I had I had a, a meeting last night with a friend, and he was all panicked because the market was down 700 and some points. I'm like, who cares? First of all, do you need the money? No. Well, why do you care? I mean, I, I don't really understand it. You know, quite frankly, I'm saving, right? I got another 20 years to work. I, I just assume this thing fall in half, and I keep buying. The only day I really care where the stock market is the day I'm selling, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm buying all along, well, I don't, I, you know, just keep buying all along. Where where I see people really mess but up. But give everybody your rule. You have a 10-year rule. We do. Look, it's very simple. If you need money out of your portfolio in the next 10 years, it can never be in growth. It can't be in stocks. It can't be in real estate. Why? Because they go down in value. And, and Murphy's Law is going to be the year you need the money, it'll be down in half, and you've lost half your money. So if you need the money in the next 10 years, you've got to buy a fixed income security, a CD, a bond, a muni bond, something like that, something safe and secure. If you don't need the money in the next 10 years, where else are you going to put it? I mean, a 10-year Treasury today is paying 2.85%. Woohoo! Yeah, not I mean, a lot of money. You're not going to get rich on that, you know. So what about at the end of the? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Go ahead. At the end of no, I mean at the end at the end of the day, you you have to have some perspective, which means in order for things to grow, you do have to be willing to put up with a little volatility. I don't believe I would not go buy a, a stock on the Chinese stock exchange because I don't trust their accounting, but I trust our accounting. It's very transparent. And so I'm comfortable with the earnings that are predicted by most of these companies. I'm not buying Wildcat Oil here. We're talking about Disney, Home Depot, Johnson & Johnson. I mean, good, strong companies. I mean, mm. you know, even in a recession, people still go to Disney. Yeah, so, that's true, too. And by the way, you have history to prove it. What about the new tax law, and, and how is this going to ap- impact the average person? Well, I think the average person is probably going to be very shocked. And I don't mean that their taxes are going to go up necessarily, but... Look, everyone got a pay raise the end of February, early March, because the the uh, withholding tables changed. So your take-home pay actually went up. And so my suspicion is most people are sitting around saying, hmm, well, that means I'm not going to owe as much taxes. And I'm telling you, that's not necessarily the case. You better get a tax projection done, whether you go to H&R Block or use TurboTax or, heaven forbid, come to our firm. You need to get um, – a tax projection done, it, this is the perfect time to do it because you've got to do your taxes anyway and make sure you're withholding enough. Because by law, if you make less than one hundred fifty grand a year, you have to hold in either 100% of last year's tax liability or 90% of your current year's tax liability. To be perfectly honest, Sean, I do this for a living. I don't know either one of those numbers. I couldn't tell you today how much I paid in taxes. I mean, I have a CPA. I write the check. I hold my nose and I move on. That doesn't mean I don't try to take advantage of all the tax, you know, loopholes and deductions that are available. I'm not saying that, but off the top of my head, I could not tell you it, what those two numbers are. 
I got to take a break. Bill Laco is with us. He happens to be my personal financial guy and has literally managed me since I've had zero dollars in my pocket. Um, and is there anyone else as a client that you have that disagrees with you more than me and is obnoxious about it as me? <laughs> Uh, I can honestly say the answer to that is no. Oh, okay. I'm proud of that. Eight hundred. It's my money. I, what is my What is my refrain all the time to you? What do I say? I never. You don't want to be a broke athlete. I don't want to work my whole life and then end up broke. Right. And I and if I do, I'm blaming you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, a toll free telephone number. More with Bill on the other side. Straight ahead. All right, Bill Laco, I wanted to bring him on with all the questions everybody's having about the stock market, about taxes, about finances. You know, run through your checklist, the basics that you give everybody, and, and we'll bring you back maybe to get into more specific issues because, you know, I think this is the one thing everybody hates to do, and that is manage their money, and as a result, people don't do it well. No, I agree with that. I mean, look, I think the first thing you got to do is really figure out, uh, you know, what your budget is and how much you can save. And then as you save it and you get past the emergency reserve side, you got to decide how much risk you're really willing to take. And our general rules we talked about before, if you don't need the money in 10 years, why would you not invest in stocks? Now, buy good stuff. Buy stuff that you think will be here after the next recession or, heaven forbid, the Great Recession or Great Depression. I mean, Home Depot is probably not going out of business. Um, ExxonMobil. You know, these are companies that are paying a good dividend that, um, you know, we're going to need for a long time. Procter & Gamble. I mean, you could come up with a million of them. That doesn't mean you can't take a flyer on, on some company if you want to. But, you know, realistically, Sean, you and I work too hard for our money. And I don't I, – see, to me, that's gambling. It's not gambling to me to buy McDonald's. I mean, when you go through McDonald's, it's always busy. I don't care. 24 hours a day, there's somebody buying something from there. So I, that's really where we start. And, and I think going forward is really just to be able to sit down and make sure you're withholding what you need to from taxes uh, so that you don't end up with a penalty. I mean, you know, Sean, at the, the last segment I was talking about the withholding, you know, if you don't pay enough in by December 31st, you're going to get a penalty. That's what's going to happen. And, and what's mm-hmm. really weird about this year is, right. and I don't want, uh, is, quick. is that, go ahead, sorry. Well, I'm, I'm just going to have to wrap it up. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have you okay. back because I, I yeah, think sure. this is um, th- all of this is important. I want our audience to prosper and, and know these laws inside and out so they can do well for themselves and their families, the forgotten men and women in this country. Uh, all right. Uh, Bill Laco, thank you. I know we put your articles up on our website, Hannity.com. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, Aiden, he's with Hensler Associates. He's my guy down in Georgia. I've been using him for all these years, even when I didn't have a penny. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is a number. Oh. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour on a Friday. Hannity tonight, how how awfully co- incorrect your media is on so many big issues. Stormy, 24-7. What did they miss? What did they not cover? How many scandals have they missed? All right, uh, now it is Friday. It's been a tough day. Uh, we can't be spending money like we're a bunch of drunken sailor Democrats. And that's what happened today. And literally, they're holding defense spending hostage unless they get every single thing they want. And Republicans don't know what it means to lead, to have a vision, to be in power. Um, Any principle that they once had is just gone. And uh, it's just sad to watch a, a once great party fall by the wayside. And again, the only champions in all this are the Freedom Caucus and a, and a few others. Um, all right. But it is Friday. We can't be troubled all our lives. There is another side of life. We don't see it because we're working so hard every day. Uh, I stop Miss Negativity now. It's the end of the show. Can you stop Miss Negative? Miss, Miss Negative. 
Negative Missy Nelly, is that what you want to call Negative me? Nelly, Negative Nelly, that's what Nelly. I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're welcome. Everyone was asking this week, does Linda really have talk like she talks or is she making it up? And no, I'm like, she talks the way she talks. Unfortunately, and, I mean, I can make it less. I can talk more American like this. But as soon as I, I get angry, better. it's over. It's over. No, you see, you, didn't, you weren't even angry. It's over. No, I'm angry. I've been angry all day. Yeah, I know. Well, like a lot of people. All right, I'm let's get to need a lot busy. of party light moonshine to get me out of this. Oh, really? You, have you ever had a little Kentucky clear? Uh, no, I've never even been to Kentucky. Oh, I'm lying. I went there once for the vice president debate. Oh, okay. But you've never had moonshine? No, I've never had moonshine. Do you ever watch the show on one of those cable networks that does the moonshiner guys? No, but Ethan knows that he's telling me in the background. It's like, moonshiners, moonshiners. Oh, it is hilarious. The show is so funny. The the people there come up with such unique ways to hide fake, oh. uh, you know, illegal hide alcohol. Their... <laughs> yeah, it's, by the way, I mean, you can buy alcohol really cheaply in a liquor store, package store. It's not like alcohol is not readily available, but for some reason people want this rock gut. And, you you know, they they take old milk cartons and they throw it in in the you know milk gallon jugs and there they are i mean yeah i like to go to this liquor store and get my baileys and my kahlua and cream yeah baileys kahlua and cream i'm drinking girly drinks i'm not drinking that kind of stuff yeah okay uh all right let's go to our busy phones as we say hi to jeff is in tulsa in oklahoma krmg jeff how are you glad you called welcome to the program well thanks thanks a lot for letting me get in there appreciate it Um, yes sir hey i'm I'm disappointed. I, I I don't mean to be negative. I know you just talked about not being negative. I, I, I want to trust Trump, but, man, what's this mess? He just he says he's going to sign this omnibus stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's, Listen, uh, you know, I'm look, tr- I, yeah, everybody has to look at everything. At the, any way, you can look at anything any way you want. I, I try to look at big picture stuff. Big picture stuff. I like everything that we had gotten up to now. Um, I understand he, they backed him into a corner. I understand why he wants defense spending. Uh, I understand. I don't understand that the Republican Party has no vision anymore. They stand for nothing and they have no backbone and they have no fight and they buckle every time and they have no vision. And it's not the party that it once used to be. I mean, um, I can say all of this to you again and again, and the only guy that does fight is the president, and I would have vetoed that bill, and I would have made these guys work, and, but I think the president looked at it from the position as a commander-in-chief, and he said, I need this money for the military, and this is horrible, and I can't let this happen again, but I've got to build up the military, and i got to do it now. Um, do I agree with this decision? No, I think in this particular case, it would have been worth the fight. But, you know, it's kind of hard when he's fighting by himself all the time because, yeah, you know, the people the mic, that undermine I... him just as much as the Democrats don't fool yourself are re- Republicans. Yeah, I, I get it. And, and, I, and I back him for that. I mean, God bless our military. I mean, if, if he wasn't looking for him, nobody would, I, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's it's like, well, I, I promised I wouldn't get into the details. It probably be a snore fest. But, I mean, the things that he's giving up, the, the things that are hidden in there, one of the biggest things I heard that there may not even be a chance for them to come back. Uh, that It may be something that they snuck in at the last minute saying that they're not going to come back and do any additional funding. They've locked themselves out for the year based on what he's signing. I don't know. Yeah. That, that's from two different sources. Listen, I'm, I'm, it's very simple to me. Where are the conservative principles that they ran on? That's it. Just keep your promises. And it's very hard, you know, when, as as one senator described the situation to me, you know, we're given 
no time to actually read the bill. I mean, that's the stuff that we would absolutely be apoplectic about over Obama. And, and I'm apoplectic that Republicans are playing the same games. And and we know what they're up to. And and we know how this game is played because they do the same thing. You have, you have a thousand minutes to read two thousand two hundred and thirty two pages. One point three two trillion dollars. You only get one point six billion for the wall. We need twenty five billion for the wall. And the the bigger deal is just like the same on health care is they they didn't keep their promises, repeal and replace. Why was that so difficult when they had seven years to build a, a bill? Now, the problem is, is we're now going to get into a 2018 midterm fight. And I see no way that this helps anybody that is running for reelection. And, you know, they, they'll say, oh, it's Trump's fault. No, it's not. Trump. It's their fault. You know, listen to Senator John Kennedy, what he said about the omnibus, omnibus bill. About the yeah, now that it's it sucks. <laughs> You're not going to vote for it. I wouldn't. Gonna, I'm going to vote against it twice if they will let. I don't even know what's in the thing. Okay, Th- this is an embarrassment. You know, I, I said it yesterday in a minute. This this is a great Dane size whiz down the leg of every taxpayer in this country. No thought whatsoever to adding over a trillion dollars in debt. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote for it. No, I mean, that that should have been the feeling if Republicans were Republicans, if Republicans were conservative, if Republicans had a backbone, if Republicans had a vision, this wouldn't be their bill. It's just a fact. All right. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, we'll go to Kentucky. Joseph, he's also mad. Hey, Joseph, how are you? Glad you call. Mr. Hannity, I'm, I'm not really mad. I'm just really sad and heartbroken. I'm a military veteran. I'm a truck driver. I drove over 100,000 miles during Mr. Trump's presidency. I spoke to over 100 radio shows. I called in. People got to know me on radio shows. And I'm there's a paradigm shift here, Mr. Handy. It's time that we realize Mr. Trump is a one-term president as of today. It's time that we boycott the 2018 midterms. And we don't vote Republican. We all stay home and shut them out. Mr. Trump will not win in 2020, not a chance on this earth. And, and it's time that we take these next 24 months and, and just not show up in the midterms and not vote 2020 Republic. We give, a, we give the, the Democrats the House, we give them the Senate, and we give them the presidency. If we don't do that, we are going to get burned again. Mr. Trump is officially a one-term president today. You know, look, all these declarations are made on days like today. I've been in this game for 30 years. Um, I feel everything that you feel in terms of the betrayal. You know, you got to understand here, in in one sense, and just this is big picture. This to me is all about the. This is what the sewer and swamp does. This is how they act. This is how they they manipulate. You know, the president when he spoke today, I paid very close attention, and he said it many many times before. It's like if Mitch McConnell is going to insist on sixty votes on everything, nothing is ever going to get done in the U.S. Senate. Nothing really does get done in the U.S. Senate of, of consequence. It's so hard to get one thing done. And as long as that system exists and we don't change it, and there's not enough Republicans that want to change it, I have a little different view than you do. 
because I think this president wants to continue to do the bold things that he's been doing. And a disagreement on on one bill, um, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I'm going to say this, that I'd love to see conservatives that support the Trump agenda elected. And there's going to be primaries going on, and there's going to be an opportunity to hand the government back over to the Democrats. It's suicide for the country. It's they're really as bad as Republicans are. They're worse. And there's no good that comes out of it. You know, at least we're creating jobs. At least we have cut taxes. At least we are now energy independent. At least we've gotten rid of burdensome uh, regulation. At least, you know, the mandate is gone in Obamacare. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not, don't, don't take this the wrong way. Because every conservative principle that Republicans are supposed to stand for is thrown out of the window here today. I'm not disagreeing, but you've got to put the blame, I think, where it rightly belongs. Those that don't fight have no vision, have done nothing. The president at least has done a lot. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Tonight, Hannity, more investigation of the investigators and the Uranium One informant, the FBI informant that literally was within Vladimir Putin's operative network in America that was committing crimes of bribery and blackmail and extortion and money laundering. He is now speaking out for the first time on camera. We have part two of that interview and all the other news of the day and my admonition and advice to any Republican that ever wants to win office again. That's all coming up. Set your DVR 9 Eastern on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Have a great weekend. We'll see you tonight at 9 back here on Monday. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.